Okie dokie, folks. Welcome to the Roots Report podcast, presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Graysale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet RI, and R1 Indoor Karting. I am your host, John Fusick. Today we have Oscar-nominated actor Mary Batum. She is best known for playing the role of Scout in the 1962 film To Kill a Mockingbird. Batum is once again involved with the production of To Kill a Mockingbird, but this time she plays Mrs. Henry Dubos and is in the stage adaptation written by Aaron Sorkin and stars Richard Thomas. To Kill a Mockingbird will be at the Providence Performing Arts Center February 6th through the 11th. Hello. Hi, Mary. Yes. Yeah, this is John Fusick from Motif Magazine in Rhode Island. How are you? Yeah, fine. Where are you? It says Virginia. Right now, I'm in Virginia. Okay. Yeah. Is that where you live? Where do you live? Yes, I live in Virginia, so I'm here at the farm working for a little bit till I have to go to work tonight in Nor- Norfolk, so... You're in To Kill a Mockingbird, uh-huh. the play that now you're traveling around the country with this? Yes. Is that We've what you've been on the road for two and a half years, I think. So is that where you're off to tonight? Yes. that's oh. We've got uh, two sh- uh, a show tonight and then two shows on Saturday and two shows on Sunday. And then we leave for Rhode Island. Oh, so you live we'll in Virginia, and your, you live in Virginia, and your shows are in Virginia tonight. Right. Yeah, oh. it's down in Norfolk, about two and a half hours away. So oh. I'll be leaving here very shortly. As soon as I get done with you, I'll have to go to the dump and then jump in the truck and get <laughs> <yeah>, to work. <laughs> go to the dump and jump in the truck. That sounds like farm yeah. life to me. Yep, it is. <laughs> If you own a farm, you're going to be working all the time. It sounds like it. So I rewatched To Kill a Mockingbird last night. I had only seen it once, and it was quite a few years ago, and I rewatched it again last night. And it really is a great movie. It's kind of interesting because the film really centers around your character, Scout, and you were... That was the first time you'd done that, wasn't it? I was not an actor. I had never done anything before. So how did you stumble into that? Oh, my mom was an actress. She was the leading lady for our local town and gown theater, and she did opera with Birmingham Southern, and she had her own radio show. The guy who ran the little theater, James Hatcher, he told my mom that she should bring me in to try out because he had these movie people come in and they needed kids for the film. So she said, well, she's not an actress. She doesn't know anything about it. And I'd have to go ask Henry. That was my dad. And he'll say no. And um, he said, well, it's worth a shot. Just give it a try. So she did. And she asked my dad and uh, he said no. (laughs) And she said, no, Henry, dear, what are the chances the child will get the fart anyway? (laughs) Oh, well. Well, you certainly did a great job. I mean, you were nominated for an Oscar for that role, and that time you were the youngest person to have been nominated. Yep, yep. And unfortunately, you lost out, but what's her name won for the Miracle Worker? Yeah, Patty Duke. Patty Duke, yes. Miracle Worker, and she was extraordinary. I mean, I just, I think she won it hands down. She had been working for a long time so hard, and 
I just thought she was brilliant. The character of Scout was six at the beginning of the film, and by the end of the film, they, she was, what, eight, I think? But yeah. you were ten when that when that movie took place, right? I was nine when I was hired, and I turned ten, uh, I think, towards the end of the film. And um, that came out in 1962. I was a whopping one year old at that point. <laughs> Do you, re I mean, I realize you were young at the time, but I'm sure there are a lot of social ramifications that came up when that film came out, because, I mean, I watch it now and it's disturbing, but to watch it in 1962, it must have been a lot different. I would imagine, but I was a little kid. Right. You know, I didn't know anything. My parents protected me. You have to remember that back then, we didn't have 24-7 communication, networking, yada, yada, all that stuff. We had a little 12-inch television set that sat on the kitchen table that was snow most of the time. It was only on for a few hours. You know, it just, we didn't, we didn't get a whole lot of news, number one, because I was a little kid. My, my main thing that I did when I was a little kid was I played outside. Most children don't do that now. But no, they don't. I, I lived outside, and, you know, when I was in school, I was in school, and when I wasn't in school, I was outside. I was watching the film, and I, I you know, I, I see uh, Atticus yelling outside for Scout and Jem to come in. I mean, yep. he had no idea where they were. He just yelled, right. yelled, and that's what parents used to do, because kids would just go off and do what they were going to do and come back when it was time to eat. That's right. That's exactly right. And I mean, most of the time, if, if, if it was like summertime, our Calpurnia was like, chillin', get out of here, go play, because I got to clean this house. Right. So it just, we, we went outside and did kid stuff and made up games and built forts and went over to the golf course and hit balls over there. And it was, it was a wonderful childhood. Well, I mean, I grew up the same way because, I mean, we're both technically boomers, I guess. I guess you would be a boomer. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know about all those terms. I think boomer is anything after World War II to like 1964, I think, is a boomer. I'm on the cusp of a boomer. But yeah, I mean, it sounds like we grew up very similarly. You know, it's it's kids do miss out today. And a lot of the story revolves around the kids being outside and doing what they were going to do and such. And that was, I mean, one of the things I remember at the beginning of the film, and I was wondering if this was actually you, if this was a stunt double, was the rolling in the tire. Did you really do that? Um, I started out doing it. And the director was afraid that something was going to go wrong, not to mention the fact that I get motion sickness with stuff like that. So I couldn't do it. So they got a little stunt double, a little jockey, who was my stunt double. Who was a jockey? <laughs> so you'll see me in the beginning and at the very end. But that long roll in the tire, that's my little stunt double. <laughs> do you have a favorite scene in that movie? Yeah, I do. It's where I'm reading to Atticus at night, and mm -hmm. then we sit there and talk. And, I mean, that was something that I had always wanted my daddy to do, but it never, never happened because of the social structure of the day. When you were dismissed from table, you went upstairs and got cleaned up and got ready for bed, and Beatty or Frankie, whoever was there, would take you know, listen to my prayers and I was put to bed. 
that was it till the next morning when you got up stayed you know started all over again you had to get home about five thirty, six o'clock well dinner was on the table by six o'clock so you get home somewhere before six o'clock well the fam family dynamic is so much different that and and kids didn't rule the world like they do now. I mean, the kids, mm -hmm. you know, kids had their own little world that they ruled. But they, when they got in touch with their parents, it was like the parents' rule, and that was it. They didn't, they didn't have any say. It was, you know, it was the parents' way of the highway. And nowadays, that's not the way it is. And it's they can't even get them out of the house. So. <laughs> yeah, it's so hard with the electronics. That's one of the beauties of the farm. Is that we have much in the way of connection so when the kids come their phones are kind of useless so. <laughs> <laughs> well it's they healthy for them on the internet so we're we're pretty pretty good that way that they spend most of their time outside being outside when i was young it really was good for creativity because we made things up we had to I mean, I saw a post on Facebook the other day of somebody posted, you know, we had a cardboard box and we had a blast with it. And I, you know, I remember yeah. my friend and I, we had a cardboard box and we turned it into a submarine and that provided us with weeks of entertainment. Sure. It was, yeah. It was just incredible. Now, kids that age would never, they would be insulted if you told them to go play with a cardboard <laughs> box. They would think, what am I, a cat or, a, you know, a slumming i mean we don't play with cardboard boxes we want our ipads or xboxes or whatever yeah i just there's a lot that's been lost with all the electronics there's been a lot that's been gained in a way because now they've got the world at their fingertips and if they have a question about something like some bug that they found or whatever they can look it up and before you know you had to go find an actual book and most people that I know that have children, they don't even have books in their house anymore. That's sad. Because it's all on electronics. It's really sad. It is. I was lucky enough when I was a child that we, my dad had a full library mm. that we had access to. We had the Encyclopedia Britannica and, you know, all kinds of other books on history and everything and and so we used that library when we had reports to do for school or whatever or if we had questions about something you know daddy's favorite line i i would come to daddy how do you spell and he'd say the dictionary is right there mm -hmm. exactly right <laughs> i, I mean, have to go look it up that's the way you learn i mean you there were things that we were told to do that helped us learn i mean nowadays exactly. i just don't think there's a lot of learning going on a lot of reliance on uh well, I, I'm sure that a lot of people are excited that the neuron chip got planted in some guy's head, that that's the, you know, the gateway to having a, you know, a smartphone chipped into your head, which <laughs> will never happen with I haven't even heard about that. Oh, I yeah, there's some Elon Musk put a chip in somebody's head to, to do something, oh and I'm sure that's just the, the start of things like that. And I don't even have a smartphone. I refuse to have a smartphone. I just have a flip phone just to use for a phone. That's all. I, I don't have a smartphone. I don't want one. Uh, you know, people think I'm, I'm stupid for that, but I just don't want to be sucked into that world. Yeah, I I have to have a phone for work to to even check in at work. I have to have my phone. So yeah, I found I find things. I was trying to set up something the other day, or my I was trying to set up my Roku the other day, and I needed to have a smartphone, and I had to find a workaround for the smartphone issue because I just 
it seems like everybody requires you to have one now and it's just annoying but yeah i mean it's it's with you know that's the the one thing with like just getting out of the parking garage this morning you have to have they do it with a little symbol things oh the q code qr code uh, yeah right qr code so just to get out of there, I had to have a QR code on my phone in order to get out of the parking lot. Oh, geez. Yeah, and some... money is going to go by the wayside soon. I mean, kids don't kids don't know how to count back change. It doesn't matter because nobody uses money anymore to pay for anything. I went to pay for something the other day, and I was going to pay cash just because I had some cash in my wallet, and I wanted to get rid of it. And and they were like, "Well, we don't take money anymore." Yeah, that's that's cr that's crazy not taking money because I still use money. I don't like to use digital transactions, but you know yeah, that's me. It's 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 going to be gone soon. I feel like because more and more, I've traveled all over this country, and I've traveled a lot out of this country. And if you don't have a credit card or an ATM card, you're pretty much stuck. Yeah, I know. I mean, I do have a credit card, but I just don't like to use it that much. But So you say you've gone outside the country. Have you taken the show out of the country? No, but I went to Russia for the State Department, and I've been to England with the play. Not this play, with another play that, that they performed down in Monroeville at the courthouse with the original cast that used to do it down there, which were just members of the community. And they took that play to Israel and to Egypt and shut, Congress was shut down and they performed the play on the floor of Congress. Wow, cool. Yeah, so that was pretty neat. Were you allowed to read the book when you, did you read it before you, we're in the film. I didn't film. read the book until I was, I think my daughter was two years old when I finally read the book. And the only reason why I read it was because Professor Inch had asked me to, he called me and asked me to come and speak to his English lit class. And I thought, well, I don't know what I'm going to talk to his English lit class about. But anyway, so he said, well, let's meet for lunch and then we'll, you know, decide how we're going to do this. Okay. So before I could even get seated at the table, his first question was, so what was your favorite chapter in the book? And I guess from the look on my face, he knew, girl, you haven't read this book. Well, I have to admit it. I've never read the book. The book is floating around the house somewhere. I haven't read it, but. So anyway, he asked me if I had read the book. I said I hadn't. And he said, well, your first assignment is to go home and read this book before you come talk to my English lit class. So I did. And we did, and he was very pleased with the discussion that the kids and I had. Well, then it got snowballed into all these other high schools, colleges, and universities asking me to come speak. Then that's, I think, how the trip to Russia happened, because they were doing, in Birmingham, the one book, one read, and I had gone to participate in that. And I ended up with 12 Russian librarians in my hotel room. So Olga, who was the head librarian, said, you come to Russia? And I was like, sure, you figure it out how to get me there, I'll come. So I did, they did, and I did, and it was lots of fun. Had your parents read the book? When I'm you... sure my mother had. My mother was a voracious reader. She was a bookaholic. 
Uh, she would get a book a day, sometimes two books a day. That's that's hard yeah. Caught. She, I mean, we lived in the library when we weren't at home. We were in the library scouring out books for my mother to read. You know, that's that was just normal stuff. I mean, the the picture I have of my mother when she was home was she was on the couch lying down with a book. I mean, she just loved reading. Did you find when you finally read the book and remember it being in the film that there were differences between the book and the film or was it pretty much done? True? No, there's a lot of difference between the book and the film. There's a lot of closeness, but when you're trying to put something on film, you can't use everything in the book. Right. You have to cut, because back then they thought that people wouldn't sit for like longer than two hours to watch film. And they gave us a grace of like seven minutes, I think it was, because they just couldn't cut any more out of it. We had filmed all the Mrs. DeBose scenes. We couldn't use any of that. No, that's what you're going to play in the in the play, correct? Right. Uh-huh. Now, she was only in the film very briefly. Right. She was. Well, the... That's because everything was cut that she did because there wasn't there wasn't space for it. Now, I I was wondering last night as I was watching it how they would create this on on stage i mean there's a lot of I have to come see the play <laughs> <laughs> i have to see if i can get to it i have to see if make sure i have no gigs but i'm just wondering if you know how the play is going to vary from the film i mean most people will know it'll the film it'll be a lot it'll be a lot this is aaron sorkin's work this is not harper lee's work this is aaron sorkin's work but it's it's and from it's, the book it's, it's the story it's is from too, from the book, from the film, it's 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 a modern twist on the Mockingbird. Oh, it's modern. It's modernized. It's hard to explain. You just have to come see it. Is it? Does it's it still funny. take place? Does it's it very still? light. Every uh, the basics are the same. Okay, it's but still it's depression. a modern twist on it because yes, because the beauty of this play is that Tom and Calpurnia have a voice. And so you hear from them. There's scenes with them. You will see all the main characters, Dill and Scout and Atticus and Calpurnia and Tom and all that. But if you're familiar with Aaron Sorkin's work, it's very fast-paced. It's very funny. It's great. It's just, I'm, I'm so honored to be a part of this. I cannot tell you how amazing these actors are that are in this play. Richard Thomas is playing Atticus, right? Yes. Mm-hmm. And he does it beautifully. Richard Thomas, he's much older than the character of Atticus, though, isn't he? Yes. Does yes. that is that addressed, or is he just playing a younger character? He just plays a younger character. I mean, you guys are lucky because you don't show your age the way we do all the time. <laughs> and Richard's very very uh youthful looking he's 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 very fit he's very he's always going to be john boy i mean to most people he's always going to be john boy we get that almost every night i'm sure you know i mean it's so funny i'm sure because i mean that's where i mean that helps his youthful appearance too is because you know it's implanted in people's head that that's who he is so people will see him through that filter i think when people see the play they will realize because he is so his life his personal life 
is so close to Atticus. He's a great daddy. He's a, he's very much an Atticus mm. in his personal life. Now, what's your favorite scene in this play? Do you have a very a different scene that you like in the play as opposed to the film? It's hard to say because there's so many really brilliant scenes in this play. I love the little uh, scene with Atticus and, and Scout on the porch when she talks to Atticus. Um, it's, it's just a beautiful little scene. And then there's this scene. Actually, the favorite one I would have to say is with Dill, Atticus and Dill on the porch. It's so beautiful, it will make you cry. Hmm. It's just beautiful. Have you it's connect- sad, but it's pretty. Now, mean, it's, it's just lovely. Now, have you connected with the kids on this film? And they ha- Do they understand oh, yes. that you were the kid in the original film? Oh, yeah. Yeah. At a, right now, the gal that's playing Scout is named Scout. In real life? In real life. Wow. <laughs> Scout Backus, yeah. Now, so, how old is she? I don't know. How is she taken to the character? Is it similar to your? Oh, she she does a beautiful job. She does a beautiful job. I mean, because think is is that I have some kind of critique on these scouts that play in these plays. I've seen so many little scouts through the years, and they each are their own little person, mm. and they each lend their little touch to scout. They do it in their own way. That's what acting is, and it's it's. It's fun for me to see how they do their their take on it. Did you keep touch with the the actors in in the original film, especially the kids? Because you you did you bond yeah. with the kids? Did you keep touch over the years? Yeah, we we all stayed in touch as long as we. I lost touch with uh, John Magna, who played Dill, and I kept asking people, you know, out in California, if anybody knew him and had his phone number. And one night the phone rang, and it was John. And we we talked, and he it became like a regular thing that he would give me a call at the end of the week, and we would chat. But we never got to see anything, see each other, because he passed away. Oh, that's a shame. Before we lost. A lot of people from this film very early on. Mm, that's sad. Now, yeah. what about uh, Gregory and Peck and Robert Duvall? Did you keep touch with them? I stayed in touch with Atticus right until right before he passed away. I would, if he was on the East Coast, he would call and we would try and get together. If I was on the West Coast, I'd go up to the house and visit. And I still keep in touch with his daughter, Cecilia, and I stay at her house a lot of times when I have to go out to California for work. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Since you started acting back then, did you continue with the acting? I noticed that you were in a, an episode of, uh, I think it was The Twilight Zone? Yeah, I did Twilight Zone, Dr. Kildare, and I did film This Property is Condemned with Natalie Wood and Robert Redford. Did you quit? I think it said you quit acting for a while, though. Is that true? Yeah, I, I, you know, we had a family meeting, and um, we all felt that acting was very nice, and it was something fun to do, but that it was important to get an education. And my dad was older. He was 60 years old when I was born, so he was afraid that he wouldn't even see to walk me down the aisle, but he did. Wow. Um, 
but yeah, I went to high school and to college and or university. What did you do when you graduated from college? I went to university. I had met my husband in my senior year of high school, and we went together while he while we were at university. And then he graduated and was going to leave and go back east. And I had more time to do at university. And I went to my dean and asked him, you know, if I do this, if I stay and get my degree, you know, what's available to me. And after talking with him, I left school and we went back east and got married and we're still married today. Did you have a profession? Did you become a, a mother or what? Oh, yeah. I'm a mom and I've done, uh, I, I have my daughter and my grandbabies. And so I, I've worked, I've worked all different kinds of jobs, not for very long, but just all kinds of stuff. I worked for the American Red Cross as an instructor. And I'm a certified nursing assistant. And I've worked for iNatural Cosmetics for a number of years. They're, I don't think they're in business anymore. But anyway, lots of different kinds of jobs. And it was lots of learning, which was fun. So what got you back into acting? Well, people call and they're like wanting me to be a part of whatever they're doing. And I'm like, okay, well, send me a script and I'll make a decision. So the last few films that I've made, that's how it's come about. Then that's kind of what happened with the play was that they called me and asked me to come to New York and see the play. And I said, okay. And I went and saw it, thought that was going to be the end of it. And then they asked me to do Bose. That was fun. Yeah. And I didn't think that they were going to do it, but they liked what I did with her. And uh, so here I am. Well, that's a good thing, and it's it's your times later. You've made the full circle. <laughs> yeah. right. Now, how do you feel about the character of Scout f uh, following you for your life? Are you happy about that, or are you not? Because some people. Oh, it's such an honor, such an honor to be a part of a film that has been so important in so many people's lives. What time is it? Uh, it is. I don't know where you are. I'm in Rhode Island. Where? Okay. We're on the same time schedule. Uh, it's about okay. 1.30, I believe. I got to go because uh, I got to drive back to Norfolk and I don't want to be late for work. Well, I look forward to seeing the play. Hopefully we'll get to it and uh, good luck with the run. Great. Thank you so much. Thank you. It's a pleasure talking with you. Good talking with you. Okie dokie. Thanks to Mary Batham for being part of this episode of the Roots Report podcast. To Kill a Mockingbird will be at the Providence Performing Arts Center from February 6th through 11th. For more, boo to ppacri.org. The Roots Report podcast is presented by Motif Magazine and sponsored by Rhode Island Blood Center, Mother Earth Wellness, Raysdale Brewing, Trinity Brewhouse, Ballet RI, and R1 Indoor Karting. Thanks for listening.